Peace and Light family. Thank you for joining us. My name is Shay Queen, and I want to invite you to the Sister Circle. Finding the Queen Within is about taking a woman on a 360-degree journey back home to herself. We will explore all of the facets of self-care and discover new ways to love ourselves. Coming home to you is finding wholeness in your life. We'll be discussing healing, wellness, and how to create safe spaces and sacred places in our lives to have a better connection with our souls. We will have deep, enriching conversations with women that have walked this path and learned what they've experienced that has made them more resilient. It's time to heal, and we have to do it out loud and on purpose. I invite you to join me on this amazing journey to finding our truest, highest version of our sacred selves. For our first guest for this episode, we're going to be joined by Bunny Baby. She is a sex worker a BDSM kink educator and entertainer out of Atlanta. And we're going to be having an intimate conversation on reclaiming our personal power and healing from trauma. Ladies, please open your hearts and open your minds and help me to welcome to the conversation, Bunny Baby. I wanted it to be a... um, an intimate conversation because sisters need to talk about these things. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And there's a lot of history. You'll find like once we get into uh, the details of, of life and stories and things like that, that you're really not alone. But there's a plethora of women out there that thought that they were alone, you know? And I want to take every opportunity we can in order to empower those sisters. You know, somebody may be in a similar situation and your story can give them the, the hope that they need in order to, you know, to get out of it, in order to reclaim their life. And I entitled this finding, reclaiming our power, because it's not a matter of us finding our power. We were always powerful as women. Mm-hmm. You know, we are infinitely powerful. We're more powerful than we even know, but oftentimes we don't know it until we actually have to flex that. Mm-hmm. So I wanted us to, to talk about it and thank you so much for accommodating the scheduling changes. <laughs> Just, uh, but girl, what is for us is ours, okay? Right, right, exactly. Yes, so, okay. um, Give us a little of your background. Where are you from and, and what was early life like for you? Um, as of right now, I am 28 years old. I am from Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. Um, I was raised there in a biracial family. My mother's white, my father's black. Mm-hmm. Um, I had always been the quiet girl, but I was always into something. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. The, It does make sense. The quiet girl is always doing something. So um, (laughs) as growing up, I always felt like Louisville was just too small for me. I needed bigger. I always felt bigger than than my box. And um, sometimes when you feel that way, you do things and you connect to people that you feel like can get you there 
or help you get you there. And mm-hmm. sometimes those people are good for you and sometimes those people are really, really bad for you. Or mm-hmm. they're just somebody that's there for a season to teach you something that's gonna teach other people something as if mm-hmm. we're just like what we're talking about today. So mm-hmm. I decided um, after my specific situation in life, I decided to come to Atlanta. I've been here for about three years now. I absolutely love it. I love, I love the blackness of everything. Like it's yeah. just, it's just really beautiful to me. It's um, um, I come from a family that never, that never hit that side for me either. And my mother is very pro-black. She's very, she's the first person that sat down and told me that I was a black woman, and that I, there's some things that she's not going to be able to teach me in life. That wow. Like, yeah, my mom is. Ugh she's just everything to me so but it's it's funny just quick backstory my grandfather his name is uh john Fay. he's actually a co-founder with uh, berea college berea college was a school back in the day that um brought together um blacks and whites to teach them how to learn and uh read and write as they traveled their ways through the underground railroad and wow. he was a white man exactly and now my family is nothing but biracials and like we just a whole big mix and pot so it's just a really beautiful um way that it shows how our ancestors really do flow through our bloodline and whether mm-hmm. we and we just found that out not too long ago so it's just like a mind blown so being here in atlanta just shows me a whole different perspective of things and i'm just blessed to to meet the people that i meet and ready for this journey of telling my story and putting it out there and i'm just i'm just ready to hop on that because i feel like it's a part of my healing process i've always been the person to um give advice or something but i don't take my own advice oh girl (laughs) (laughs) i overstand that sis so I just want to stand, stand in, stand in my actual own words, and stay in my path, and do what I know that I can do, and that's help others with what I've been through with, with my story. So that's me, Bonnie. That's beautiful. <laughs> so you're actually the child of a revolutionary. Exactly. So I'm not even surprised that this is just coming back full circle. Exactly. That's why I just hopped on um, some things. And it's just like realizing that, realizing that bloodline and realizing how how it's actually impacted me growing up. Like I've jumped on so many things, like me and my father haven't had the best relationship in life. Um, He he was on drugs. He was was in the penitentiary penitentiary, uh, when I was born. So I didn't have him for the majority of my life. So, um, but me, Growing up, I realized that some of it, yes, he could have done something about it, but then again, he's a black man in America that's that was in a in an oppressed area to where some things just happen. And mm-hmm. I, I just it just it was something that just happened a few days ago. I hopped up, I was like, Daddy, you don't live this life no more. We're starting your own business. And he got his EIN right now and he's about to have wow. business. Because I'm just, I'm getting this feeling, I'm just ha- having this blood like boiling in my feeling like we have to say, if we want something to be fixed and we want something done and we want something left, 
we got to get up and do something. And, and you got to do something about it. My father's not necessarily educated in social media. He's not educated in putting stuff out there. He's always said, I want to have my own business. I want to do something. But he don't have no, he doesn't have the accessories, the, the tools or not necessarily educated how to use them. So mm-hmm. it's up to my generation and our, my type, my, my part of the bloodline to step out and be like, look, this is how we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what that's just what I've been focused on. It's just like uplifting my family, uplifting my bloodline, uplifting everybody else around me. And that's how I get my fix. That's how my healing perspires. You get what I'm saying? So it's mm-hmm. just, it helps me in the long run. I read somewhere that when you give love and you give encouragement and you give, you know, the fruits of the spirit, that in order for you to give it, you actually have to generate it first within you. So you feel it twice. Mm-hmm. You feel it when you generate it and you feel it when you give it. Yes. So when you bless other people or when we receive our blessings and we bless other people, then we feel that twice. Yeah, we feel it two times, double times. I'm so proud of you. So what business is your father in? Well, what um, business is he starting? He's starting his own barbecue business. Okay. He, I told him, I was like, the because um, my grandmother, uh, his his mother passed away um, not too long ago. And the thing is, is she was a Jehovah's Witness. So mm-hmm. she didn't um, have, we didn't do, you know, holidays and stuff like that with her. We did mm-hmm. cookouts. We did, that was the family thing. And my father was always the one on the grill. He was always the one cooking. He, regardless of what his life was or anybody else's life was that was going on, I know that when my family came into a room and my daddy was cooking and everybody was eating, everybody was happy. Like yes. there wasn't, you know what I'm saying? Like no matter mm-hmm. what was going on, who was feeling what type of way, that food and the comfort of your family was everything. That was I see that that makes him happy. So I'm like, why don't you do something that makes you happy? You, you found happiness in being around your family and cooking for people. This community is our family also. Mm-hmm. Let's shine some of that light on them in Louisville, Kentucky. They're going through a lot out there, so I'm like, they need you. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So, so what has the the legacy of uh, what's happened with uh, Brianna Taylor? How has that affected you? <sighs> me not actually being in Louisville, Kentucky affects me big time. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first started having in my awakening. Um, I would have to say it was right around the age of 24 and um, there was a lot already going on. I don't want, I don't know exactly um, who it was that had started another, that had started um, another big, big impact in Kentucky because there's been so many. I don't Mm -hmm. really know the timeline of what that was. I don't remember at the time, but I remember um, I was attending some um, classes every Monday. It was called Tala Mondays. And she's a really big activist out there in Louisville, Kentucky. She's dope. Her name is Talisha Wilson. Okay. She's amazing. Um, She's a big leader out there. And I started going to her meetings and she taught me a lot that I did not know that I couldn't get from home. You know what I'm saying? Certain Mm -hmm. information. And then that's when I had started to go on my first, um, my first rallies, my first walks, everything. It was just a really big, big impact in my life to be a part of the protests and stuff that was going on. So being here now while everything is happening in my hometown, it mm-hmm. keeps, I'm like, I want to hop up and get up. But then, then it, it has that, you have that fear and you're crying. And I've had those days where I can't even get on social media because 
of the all the feelings that you get you know what i mean and, and i know exactly what you mean and it's not even in in it's it's everything it's brianna taylor it, it's stuff here in atlanta going on too it's everywhere mm-hmm. we can't it's like everywhere we look it's it's some type of negative feelings that we have to get up and we have to get past every day and that's a fight mm-hmm. and people don't even see that that that's the beginning fight getting up out of bed and and going out and living another day while all of this is still happening around you mm-hmm. so my sister my baby sister she's out there and um she's been on on the front lines and she's been putting in her work and she calls me and she tells me everything she gives me the updates i just know that my city's strong and i know they they're it's over like they can't do what they've been doing like it's change or nothing mm-hmm. they're gonna, they gonna burn it down it's change or nothing you're not gonna have it louisville kentucky wow I, I really feel that in my spirit. I feel that in my spirit. I, I receive like, that. Yeah, I feel that in my spirit. And you know what? I, I'm i all for it. Um, I had to cut off some family because of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's a part of being a biracial woman. Like, you you, you have both sides. And right is right and right. right is wrong. And this woman told me, she looked at me. She said, you think you're black? I looked at her, I said, that's the only reason you brought yourself to ever love me is because you put a coat over your eyes saying, my, my niece isn't black, so I She's one her. of us. Yeah. Which I we are one her. of us, but that doesn't mean that you can't be both. It's not either or. Yeah, it's not it's either. And also. It's, yeah, and also. And I looked at her and I said, how do you not think that I'm black? Have you ever even asked me what I identify as? Mm -hmm. Do you know me to even know that part of me? I said, I don't know what you're looking at. I was like, but you definitely have um, a white paper bag over your eyes the last 20 some years because it doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make any sense to me. So she's just, um, she's been cut off, definitely. Definitely. So Brianna Taylor's case, everything has actually been bringing a lot of people to the forefront that don't need to be around us that are shooting that negative energy anyway. Because mm-hmm. so, it's all evil regardless. I feel like 2020 has been our clear vision wake up across America, across the mm-hmm. world, honestly, because mm-hmm. there's so many different things that has um, that's happened and that's transpired. And because of the, the COVID uh, crisis and pandemic and the different things that's happening throughout the world. Um, our international travel has shut down. It had shut down largely for many months. So we were parked and then we were at home and then it made us look around our home and just reevaluate. There's so many people who's cleaned out their closets, cleaned out their drawers, cleaned out their lives. And then it just, it starts at home with you and you're reevaluating what works in your life and what doesn't and then it's it's grown like ripples in a river until you get to the general society and you're looking at your world and seeing how your world looks and whether you like it whether you don't whether there's places that we all can heal from and where there's things that we're just not going to do no more Mm -hmm. and i'm grateful for 2020 in that aspect um my partner and i we we live here in um and Northeast, 
I was about to say Northeast United States, like that even makes any sense. We live in Pennsylvania, but we also live in Dakar, Senegal. Okay. You know, and just from a an American living in Western Africa lens, um, we were supposed to be there now. We were leaving back in March, but due to the COVID, our all of our um, our travel plans were shut down. Right. So it left us here, like stuck, so to say, and and you know, not only in Pennsylvania but the United States. And we're looking at the entire like um, world media. Looking at the way that West Africa, the different countries, you know, because uh, Senegal and Gambia are two countries that are right beside each other, and we go back and forth between the two. Um, but we have looked at what's been happening in West Africa and how they handled the quarantine and how they handled, you know, the testing facilities and sites and shut down schools and businesses and then compared it to what's been happening in the United States. So it just gives us a more clear vision on how the world handles crisis. Mm -hmm. And then you add to that, you know, um, social injustice. And then you add to that racism. Then you add to that, like all the other things that were happening. Um, earlier in the talk, you said something about how um, it started to affect you, you know, like mentally. And I was there too. I remember, do you remember that period between, um, Memorial Day and the 4th of July, when it was like they were giving fireworks away for a dollar. Mm -hmm. And there were fireworks that were going off every single night. Yes, there was police yes, sirens. And every time you heard about yeah. it, you turn on the TV and this city's on fire. And oh, now mm -hmm. Philly's on fire and Atlanta's on fire and Louisville, Kentucky's on. Honey, that was my breaking point. That was my that was my breaking point where I had to sit and say, this is what anxiety looks like. Mm -hmm. This is mm -hmm. what it means to have like a body that's riddled with anxiety, like things in my my soul hurt. Yeah. And then I had to take stock of where I was at. I had to tell myself, you're safe. Yeah. You're okay. Mm -hmm. And be grateful for that. Reach out to your family. I called my parents. I called my, you know, my godparents. I called my aunts and uncles and, and cousins. And we talked and everyone was healthy. And I had to give thanks for that. Yes. Because no one in my world was sick, sad, dying of the COVID, number one. No one in my world was being, you know, um, hunted by the police or losing their yes. life due to social injustice. I had to be grateful for that. And because I found gratitude in that, I said, okay, there's no reason for me to panic. I'm safe, we're safe. Let me get this together and see what it is that I can do about it. Right. I had to take stock of, you know, what my gifts were. I had to take stock of how it is that I can help without leaving my house, how it is that I can help and still stay safe. Stay safe. How can yeah. I help in order to uplift and empower someone else? So I turned to my sister circles, which, you know, to give you a little background on me, um, I facilitate sister circles. I own a company called The Queen Within. I teach women how to love themselves oh. out loud and on purpose. And I found myself in a place where even I was panicked. So I was like, okay, so if I were one of the queens that I help support, how would I talk to myself? 
Like, what would I tell them to do? I would tell them that, okay, girl, you you need to get a grip. And how do you get a grip? <laughs> Find a good therapist. But then the gag was, I have therapists. <laughs> I have therapists that are in my circles, therapists that are my great girlfriends. I have healers in every, every way yeah, imaginable. Every herbologists I know women who like grow and so I started surrounding myself with living things mm -hmm. I went out and I bought like 32 plants in a weekend <laughs> <laughs> I turned my living room into a jungle I got like I got hand to earth I did the things that I knew would help me get grounded you know we um where we live here is surrounded by a nature reserve so mm -hmm. we took time and we went mm -hmm. and walked in the woods. Yes. You know, leave your cell phone at home, go for a walk. We walked in the woods, we sat by a stream, we breathed clean air. You know, we um, worked in our gardens with our bare hands and yeah. we grounded ourselves. Mm -hmm. And from there, the healing came. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So we got to do that. I love the way the conversation is going. We actually right. didn't. This is what we were supposed to talk about today. It's not. It's not. But, but I love it sometimes it's way. not us speaking, you know? Yes. I love it either way. Yeah. So I would like to hear about your um, your story. What we were, we were originally talking about today was um, domestic violence because it is October. You know, mm -hmm. um, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. It's also Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And we have um, some very good, close girlfriends to us that uh, work within the breast cancer um, realm. And so we've kind of been doing some work regarding that this month. But I wanted to have a conversation um, for the other sisters out here that may find themselves in domestic violence relationships and kind of walk through um, what we need to do in order to, number one, free ourselves of that kind of bond and also to reclaim our power, hence the, the, the title of the show today. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little about, um, about your Atlanta story. Uh, my Atlanta story or Kentucky story? Because Where did it start? It started in Louisville. Um, I migrated okay. here from Louisville because of that situation. Okay. Um, my situation was more so um, a sex trafficking situation. Okay. It has turned into well, that that's what they call it, and but I don't receive any of that. I don't I don't receive being victimized or anything. Is at this point in my life, I'm in therapy, so I'm just trying to collect exactly where I am with this and okay. um, having peace with it. So. Um, when I was in college, I was like, hey, I need some money, you know, I need some extra money, I need some extra cash, but I don't want to work a full-time job because I'm in school and I want to mm -hmm. make quick money, I want to be able to be with my friends, family, blah, blah, blah. So I just happened to be scrolling on Facebook and I ran across a female holding a paddle and she had her link at the bottom and I clicked on the link. I was like, hmm, what does she do? And she actually had her own business, um, a dominatrix business. So I reached out, I was like, are you hiring? Are you, do you do training? And she said, yes. So um, she invited me out for an interview. Mm. I went to 
the dungeon, which was an apartment, but it was really, it was decked out like a dungeon, red walls, chains, paintings. Like we're talking Fifty Shades of Grey? We're talking like better than Fifty Shades of Grey in a little bitty apartment on the east side of Louisville, Kentucky. Um, wow. Yeah, the whole house. There was no living room furniture, no nothing. It was all um, toys, contraptions, anything that has to do with BDSM, sexual sensation. If you name it, we had it. Um, so I went in for the interview um, and obviously dominatrix is a dom. You're the top. You're the person mm -hmm. doing the work, most majority of the work. So um, she trained me for about three days. Um, everything seemed really safe and consensual. She asked me a whole bunch of questions, um, asked me what I liked, what I didn't like. Um, once we got to a certain point, it was like the third day of training. She was like, I want to tie you up, you know, so you can see what it feels like to be tied up and so you experience some stuff for yourself. So when you're doing it to other people, you know where to, how to do it. You know what I mean? Okay. The feel of the body. I was like, okay, fine. So she tied me up. Um, there was a slight moment where I felt um, a sexual aggression in the time. I was like, hmm, okay. So I left after that and uh i had texted her i was like um i was like i kind of felt something you know i felt like the energy just shifted from being professional to being sexual and she swept it down she's like oh no i don't find you attractive whatsoever you look too young for me you're too young for me okay so yeah <laughs> I, I was like oh okay cool so uh -huh. um i would say about a week later um, I come over, we're all hanging out. There was, um, there, everybody's poly. So uh, at the time, um, this female, she had two other partners and uh -huh. I had came in and only one other partner was there and I was there. And we were all watching TV. We we're obviously laying in the bed because there's, there's no furniture. Uh -huh. And she, um, she goes, she starts pulling on the zipper of her girlfriend and then looks at me and it was like, you down? And I was like, I thought you weren't attracted to me. Like, I thought you weren't physically attracted to me, whatever, whatever. So me being me, I'm very open sexual. I was like, you know what? It's just sex. Let's do it. So we ended up having sex. That ended up being a situation. Um, then she asked me, hey, I want to train you to be a submissive. I don't, she's like, you can work as a dominatrix, but I want you to be my submissive. I'm attracted to you now. I, after sex, you know, that sparks different feelings, apparently. Um, and she's like, I want to uh, get to know you and train you to be my submissive and all this other stuff. So I was like, okay, cool, that's fine. Um, I was interested in it anyways. Usually when I'm in a relationship with somebody else, I am mostly the submissive one. I'm not like, I wasn't BDSM submissive, mm -hmm. but I was, you know, the natural wanting to give your partner. Mm -hmm. And um, I was like, okay, that's cool. So we started doing it. Um, then I was starting to come over to the house and the other girl in the relationship, um, she was having like marks on her. Um, I had came home, I had not home, but um, I had came over to the dungeon and she was sitting on the bed and she had a black eye and her hair was in braids. And I was like, what's, what's going on? Like, she looked like she'd been crying.
And I was like, what's up? And um, the dom at the time, he looked at me, she was like, this is what, she's like, this is what she signed up for. Like basically as in like, this is her dynamic in her BDSM that she consented to, something that she was okay with. And me coming into this world, into this lifestyle, I didn't know much. I was like, okay, but I had been around other people in munches and stuff that they, they, but they didn't ever have markings on their faces or anything. They had markings on their bottoms, on their legs and stuff from like impact play and stuff like that, which is completely natural. So I was like, okay, so this is when it started, the questioning started happening and the wondering started happening. Um, so after that day, um, the other female in the relationship, mind you, there was two other girls beside myself. She had um, got into it with the dom, with our dom, and um, she got scared and she just left. She disappeared. She just, she's like, I have a kid, and she was just gone. So um, that she was a really big money maker inside of the. The, inside the business at the playhouse. Mm -hmm. So once that happened, um, we started getting put ads up for sex, obviously, full service. So, because we mm. needed more money. And I initially said, okay. I was like, but it's gonna be under my boundaries. You know, I'll have my own specific boundaries and certain things that I'll do, certain things that I won't do. Um, and that it started out that way, it was okay, and then all of a sudden, I got a, um, she gave me a contract, submissive and dominant contract, and the contract, it was basically saying that I was her princess, and I did, did everything for her, and basically, it was saying I can only eat 1,500 calories a day, um, all my money, all my finances went to her. She was over all my money, all my finances, and it was because she wanted to help me save to get me a car and get my house. And so that's why she felt like I couldn't handle my own money, so she wanted to take my money. Um, I only got to see my family maybe once or twice a week, and I was really close to my family. And I lost all Were my- Were you still in school at the time? Uh, no, it was over. Like. Um, I had ended up getting eviction uh, in my housing, and I, I lost my, um, I'm sorry, I lost my stance in school. <laughs> so. Uh, Take your time, honey. So, um, after that situation, um, it was kind of juiced up. It wasn't those words exactly. It was juiced up. She was very manipulative, very good with words. Mm -hmm. um, so I went ahead and I was like, okay, that's fine. Um, when I figured out that things were really bad is when um, somebody had came in, a client had came in and um, I had handed him a condom and he said, you told me in the text messages that you would go raw. 
mind you, I don't have access to the text messages. My dom is the one booking the clients, talking to the clients, you know, acting as if they were me while they're in another room. And um, I said, mm, I apologize that I must have been thinking I was talking to my boyfriend or something because I wasn't talking to you. I was like, no, you have to wear a condom. And um, I was like, or oh, you can leave. And then my phone rang and Cleo was like, don't let him leave and then just hung up so I was like okay but I still made sure he had a condom on in the midst of having sex he tried he took his condom off and it was a big thing um when I went to complain about it it was brushed off as if it was nothing at this time I had went in the bedroom I mean in the bathroom and I had um I had my phone I had gotten access to my phone because I could only use my phone from certain hours. I couldn't use my phone at night or early in the mornings. I was probably waking up at like um, 5, 6 a.m., not going to sleep till about 3 a.m. because I was taking maybe up to seven to eight clients a day. Um, um, I had lost a lot of weight. I was really, really little when I first got to Atlanta. Um, after that, uh, I went to the bathroom and I had texted my cousin, my cousin Kiki. I was like, look, I'm in a situation. I need to get out. I need you to text my phone acting like you're my mom. <laughs> Just act like you're my mom and you see my ads and you're pissed and you want me to come home. She said, okay, I'll do it. And she did it. I showed my dog at the time, I showed her. It's like, look, my mom knows I want to go home. I'm embarrassed. I want to go make sure she's okay. I want to talk to her. Lottie, Lottie. She's like, oh, she's not going to do nothing. You have an appointment in the morning and you can go see her later on this week. And I was just like, that's not the case. I was like, she's pissed. She'll either come over here or she'll send the police. She's like, she's not going to send the police. I was like, yeah, she'll send the police. I was like, I know my mom. She'll do anything to save me. And if that means get me locked up, she'll do that. And she was like, no, 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 she won't do that. She won't do that. <clears throat> At this time, my other, um, the other girl that had been, that had the black eye and the braids and stuff, she had already been to the hospital maybe two or three times already for domestic <clears throat> violence. And um, by the third, I think it's the second or the third time, they had already put a warrant out for the Dom's arrest because they're asking questions now. It's no longer her decision. It's the state's decision. Mm -hmm. And um, I was texting her. And even though I was never like physically abused, I knew that I could not just leave. I was mm -hmm. like, she's not going to let me just leave. There's been a time where we had like a small argument in the beginning and I tried to leave and the emotions were just too much. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of stuff that I did skip over because <laughs> of my emotions. <laughs> Um, I wasn't just the product of just that before that situation in the midst of it um, I was basically raped she beat me as I was giving oral sex to another gentleman because she said I wasn't doing it right come to find out he was drunk and passed out that's why he wasn't affiliating any blood into his penis so that was a situation that had happened right before I um, had called that's the only physical violence that she ever did on me, but it was on my bottle. 
it was right. you know it was like in the bdsm aspect of things but the scenario wasn't mental mentally safe obviously right. so um <clears throat> After that had happened and I realized how much she was drinking, it was getting worse. I knew I couldn't just like get up and leave. So I had reached out to the other female that um, was involved in the case with me. And she's like, well, there's already a warrant out for her arrest. So I can just send the police over there. And had she left at that point? The yes. other lady? She, okay. she she, yeah, she, she went to her father's. Once she healed up a little bit, she had went. She had came back a few times. And I'm really not telling much of her story because that's her okay. story. That's her story. Yeah, and um, she had came back a few times and after a situation, um, we were we had came to Atlanta. We had been brought across borders. So that's that was another situation that had went crazy within in the case. Mm -hmm. um, and she was actually left in Georgia and we had came back because of a certain situation that they had had. Um, all this building up to me knowing that I needed to do something to get out. So the next morning, the police did come as my client was leaving. <laughs> and I I was in all my, my whole gear. I had on my blonde wig. They were, the police immediately just came in because I'm, I look young. I mean, I'm, I was 20, 23, 24 back then. Uh -huh. I'm 28 now. I look like a baby now just think of I looked super super young so mm -hmm. um, they were like how old are you what are you doing da, 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 da. Um, she blamed it on us being polyamorous she was like that's her partner this is what we do they were in BDSM da, 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 da. and they had taken me to a different room and um, they had talked to me and they were like are you here because you want to be here I said in the beginning yes I said, now, no. Mm. I was like, no. I said, I'm not safe. I was like, I need to go. But I don't, I didn't want to be that girl, you know, in the life that was the snitch or mm. anything like that. So I had issues accepting that and issues with opening my mouth. And my throat shock was, was all blocked up, baby. Like, Most, yeah. all blocked up. I didn't. It, it hurt to speak, it hurt to speak. So I, I begged them, I was like, just act like you're arresting me, act like you're arresting me. You know, I got in trouble at Walmart for shoplifting and I never took the classes, take me. <laughs> I was like, just take, and I really didn't, but I didn't have a warrant off for my arrest or anything for that. Right. So they, they acted as if they were taking me, uh, locking me up, but they actually ended up taking me to the doctors. I had to go to the hospital had to get tested and all those different types of things that they needed and um she was actually released out on um on um house arrest um and during this time I didn't have anywhere to live I couldn't go back to my mom's at the time and I was staying in the apartment before she had came back mm -hmm. and the truck that we had was my only form of transportation at the time and I, um, I had lost my job because my friend was actually the one that had given me the job. She took that shit right away because she couldn't put her finger on what was going on, but she knew I wasn't in no good shit. And I had lost many, many friends, many, many opportunities that I had already created myself before I had went into that. So I was kind of really alone mm -hmm. and I couldn't, my family um, to this day, until it gets a little bit bigger, 
until like I'm really built up. My family doesn't know. Um, mm. My mother doesn't know. She knows my lifestyle now as an involved sex worker, um, right. as somebody that has taken, you know, different things back and her power back as a woman and doing that type of work and healing work for other women and, and men. And um, she accepts that, but she doesn't, I'm, I'm, I'm not, it's not the acceptance of it. It's the hurt that I know that's gonna be. Um... She doesn't know the whole story. No, no, it would, it would really hurt her. Thank you so much for sharing this with me. Thank you, you were so brave. You are a brave, brave girl. Thank you. I'm sorry, I shouldn't even call you girl, <laughs> queen, <laughs> woman, goddess. You are so brave. Yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Girl, you're safe here, honey. It's just us. It is. We're supposed to have two more people. It is literally just me and you <laughs> in this space. Yeah. Yeah. So um, after that situation is uh, going through court, and where did you stay? Where were you? Um, you able to? Oh, to find... I, was, I was at the. Uh, I was staying at the apartment. Uh, Cleo ended up coming back. So, which was the dom at the time. She ended up coming back. I can say her name because it's all over the papers. It's, it's yeah. everywhere. So. Um, she she had came back and she she had seen that I was leaving. <laughs> she was like, no, 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 I need help. I was like, I can't help you. I can't do anything for you. At this time, she doesn't know that I've, I've released my information. She doesn't, she, th she really thinks that I was arrested for what I did and she doesn't know what's what's being cooked up and I, mm -hmm. I at that time I felt really bad I felt like I should tell her but I was like if I tell her her rage is gonna go 20 times more and I might be dead like yeah I, I and come to find out in in the lining of talking to the police she's had multiple domestic violence cases before me and the other girl situation before she's broken arms she's caught people on fire she's been through a lot and hurt people hurt people right and I knew that as a 40 something year old woman looking at 15 to 30 years has nothing to lose mm. she has nothing to lose and I'm looking at a 6 4 200-pound woman that I, I really don't know what to do with. So she's like, I need help. And I was like, I really can't help you. There's nothing that I can do. Um, I could. I was sleeping in the car outside because she didn't know that I, I was outside and she couldn't come outside. Um, I would go she in. She was on house arrest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it was certain shit like that. And then I had to go in one day because I needed to make money. <laughs> I was like, I need to make money. So I went in and I got, I was like, I need some toys or whatever because I'm going to go do some out calls on my own. And um, she was like, no. Uh, she said, like, won't you do it here? I was like, I can't do it here. She's like, well, I can't protect you out there. I said, I don't need you to protect me. 
I just need my stuff so that I can go. And I, at that time, I had already had a little bit of money. I was going to go to a hotel. I was about to go live in a hotel. Um, she was like, no, stay here, stay here. So I was like, thinking, I was like, I can't go to mom's, nothing. I need to work. I was like, only if I can keep my money and I can go do what I need to do. And she said, okay. So I only took dominatrix sessions. This is my own fault. I went back. Yes, I went back to go make money. I was foolish. I went back. I took sessions of my own. And I was keeping my own money. She wasn't touching my money. And um, in this situation, she had started talking to somebody. And it was a white woman. And the white woman had came over and met me, mind you, I guess, uh, they were in prison together. They were somebody that they like pin, pin buddies or something like that when they were in prison together or something. And they had history and stuff. I was like, okay, that's fine. She introduced me as her submissive. And um, two days later, um, Cleo had gotten off house arrest and um, the she had came home and she said you have an hour to leave i was like what <laughs> i was like i just paid a little bit of rent here so i can stay here until i can go and at the time i had a partner here in atlanta that was preparing for me and um i was like okay she was like you can keep all your money i was like i know i can she's mm -hmm. like and you can go so I ended up taking my stuff and going to the hotel. And that, that that's kind of like the ending of my story before I got to, I had went and spent Christmas with my family. I lived in the hotel for maybe two weeks. Um, I worked out the hotel for about two weeks. Um, I got up as much money as I could. My partner from here came and got me um, and we came back to Atlanta together after Christmas and I've been here ever since I've um, put myself out there I've met other sex workers other evolved sex workers that's been around um, I entered therapy um, my therapist is amazing she's also a, a sex worker she's she's a dominatrix she she's poly she's everything that can I can speak to you Yes, that can that can actually listen and understand me, and and follow me because my words go everywhere. If you haven't noticed, <laughs> <laughs> I get just, you. My head just bounces, <laughs> but I know sometimes I'll be making sense in the end. Yes, but, <laughs> but um, the, ever ever since that experience, I, I do still have a lot of pent up hurt. Um, I wrote a letter to to Cleo, um, and they read it in the court case. Um, I spoke a lot about forgiveness and that has been my big thing because I, I I wanted to forgive everyone in that situation so that I could start this process. And like you said earlier, like just going out and breathing in the air and being grounded and being in your natural habitat. Um, me and my past partner, we're not together anymore, um, but we, we had a few things that happened that triggered a lot of past things. I didn't have time, I didn't heal. Right, <laughs> you didn't take time between the two. At all, I left 
even though me and my partner here and my ex-partner here in Atlanta, even though we had built up a friendship and a relationship before I got here, I still was going through what I was going through. No matter what new light had entered into my life, this heavy darkness was still bearing on me. So um, it created a lot of toxic traits between the both of us, a lot of insecurities, a lot of hurt. Um, but we've also taught a lot, taught each other a lot in this situation. And I'm very grateful for that partner because um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't know how to ground myself. I wouldn't know how to meditate properly. I wouldn't mm-hmm. know how to balance my chakras. I wouldn't know how to um, just step into that realm of completion and and pulling myself up knowing that I can get up every day and I have these tools that can that can heal me from the inside out mm-hmm. and then as I start my day I can live that mm-hmm. and then it just manifests everything that I need and being on my own like being here in Atlanta and I, I I've been forced to be by myself <laughs> and sometimes that's what it takes you have to be forced to be by yourself Mm-hmm. I live alone. I'm in school. I have two businesses. I I sit at home. I sit at home and and and, and get money. Like I'm being lazy today. It's Sunday, and I don't have to do anything. So it's like I have so many blessings. It's like the it's like you had said something about water, like like a stream coming out. And I was mm-hmm. like, it just reminded me of what I said. I was like, I feel like the floodgates have opened. It's like literally once that healing like starts, it's like boom. Yes, everything that's is true. given to you, and you can't deny it. You right. can't deny where you're at in your path. You're like, man. As soon as I really did do the work, do the shadow work, and it's a continuous work. It's, yes, it's, it is. It's an everyday thing. I'm still healing every day, but it's like going through that. It's just the rush of blessings, like, and I'm just so grateful now in my life that. I'm at a place where I, I'm not fear-based anymore at all, at all. I can't, I'm not scared. I can't be scared. There's literally, there's only one thing over the word scared and that's gonna be everything that you've been asking for yeah. on the other side of fear, literally. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, just, I'm just happy to have people around me that uplift me, that know my story and um, just just creating family and community of love and light and happiness and sisters. And I need to know more about this sister circle. I'm so inspired. <laughs> I'm so inspired. I love it when we can talk amongst sisters and we can still share our story, even if it's through tears. Yeah. You know, there's nothing wrong with tears. Tears is just a release of the energy. You know, and sometimes I I feel that our tears give us strength to keep moving, to keep talking, to keep allowing, allowing. You know, I'm I'm so proud of you from being able to just be that self-aware. Because yeah. even at 28, you're still a baby. You're still a baby. But look how beautiful. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you've been through some fire, but even still you love. Yeah. I even still to. you're not hard. Even still you're not 
bitter and angry and there's so much in life that could just make us rage monsters and your your healing continuously <laughs> that's fine none of us are we're all just trying to figure it out yeah yeah but and, i'm so and, grateful to be able to share this space with you and it's just the two of us yes it takes joined. a lot to tell that story yeah it's big and i'm i'm grateful to have the platform to do so thank you of course uh, i never knew how i was going to start or, or you're actually the first person that is going to take it really yeah oh my gosh other than the papers and stuff but my names aren't in papers that post that you see me on yeah that's the first time i spoke what i spoke on social media because it it pulled me that girl she pulls (laughs) me out all my time let me tell you because she knows she she sees and she sees how driven I am so she pushes me and I I can't even lie transparent with her own life like when you have someone who's transparent with their stuff they don't let you hide Mm -mm. and I know like that can be cringy sometimes but to have someone who's so transparent because they see where they've healed and they know the benefit of healing and still manage managing to sit in your power see people feel like when it comes to women, especially our, our feminine divine energy, our sexual energy, it's not for other people. That's for us. Yes. We can fully own who we are. We can fully own our magic. And it doesn't have to be anything associated with trying to be ex- acceptable or attractive to other yeah. people. It's not. It's supposed to be attractive to us. That part. Us. We are our own light. We attract ourselves. So it's like, who who doesn't flock doesn't need to. Yes. Um, now you you mentioned a um a term a while back, and I didn't want to interrupt you, but I need further clarification. What is evolved sex work? <laughs> evolved sex work is something that I just say. Uh, I've never really heard anybody else say it. Um, I say okay, so you coined it. I yeah, I claim it. Um, mm-hmm. I say evolved sex work because of the mindless sex work that I was doing when I was in the playhouse. Okay. It was mindless. I didn't have any conscious thought on it. I was doing it for the money. It was, it was, it was, dominatrix was just, there was no, no point. I didn't have a point, you know what I mean? And then going in and being a full blown sex worker giving my body and not necessarily knowing what that means because I don't know my own body yet. And now stepping into that and learning and I was being forced to do something and I didn't even know what I was doing. Now I'm doing it on my own and it's gonna have meaning. When I work with when I work with men now, I focus on the healing of the massages now. I focus on uh, I want to learn more about tantric. I, like I don't necessarily go with a flow. I take my hands go where they go, and I go based off energy. And all mm-hmm. I do is shoot love and healing from that. And that's that's something that comes back. A lot of my clients come to me and they say, "You you fill me up before I leave, and I enjoy my day." And I I really am still learning. I don't necessarily know 
how mm-hmm. I'm how I do it. I just know that I am good with my hands and I take what I did in the past and I put meaning to what I do now. So I've evolved from that. Mm-hmm. I've, I've I've taken a bigger step and it's and it's gonna be healing and light and with love and a meaning to it. I want it to have meaning. Everything that I do, I want it to have some type of meaning. I have tattoos on my body. Not one of them are senseless. They all mm-hmm. mean something to me. It's all so, intentional. Yeah. Moving through life intention. with intention and reason. Exactly. Exactly. And this is just something that naturally comes out of me that I've always wanted to do. But I've always been very sexual in my life. I've been, um, in the past, I've been sexually molested. I've I've had older people attract themselves to me because of the way I carry myself or the light that I might reflect or Mm -hmm. the sexual energy that I might hold. And it's not, it's not for other people. It's something that's just been a part of me that I really didn't have any connection to. And I was out here living wild with it. Yes, but mm-hmm. it, it doesn't mean that you can just pick me off of a shelf because I'm displayed. Mm. Like, I'm a display, baby, don't touch me. Mm. But I've been touched multiple times and now I'm cleaning myself and I'm just going through that process of just getting all that off of me and going into a higher mind, a higher vibration of everything that I do. And I can't, so, it's just being around other black women in the same work field that have inspired me to do that. If you could, what would you tell your younger self? Hmm. My younger self. Your younger self. It's a whole letter, but uh, in the <laughs> jip of it, I would I would say I would say it only happens for a moment, but you'll get through all of it and love through everything because you're gonna make it to where you want to be in life, regardless of what tries to hold you back. I love that. I love that. That's all I can really say. Because I can't take away what what I've done. It's molding me into who I am. So I have to be grateful for the experiences that I've experienced. So I can't say, hey, don't do that. (laughs) You want to jump around that? No. Go through it. Because it's teaching me something. And there's going to be bigger at the end of it. So just hold on. Thank you. I love that. So, what's next for you? Ooh, so I am still in the BDSM community. Um, okay. I'm, I'm considered a switch. Um, I'm not a submissive to anybody at this point in my healing. I cannot. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing that right now. I'm more so loving me mm-hmm. fully, and. Um, I'm creating my own house. It's called the Bunny Cage, which is basically a house where you can come and learn the basics, the foundation, the fundamentals of BDSM. Learn everything that you need to. I'm still learning, but I'm going mm-hmm. to have the tools for you to come once a month and, and learn something about BDSM to take you to your steps further. So before you go into a relationship to somebody that says that they're a dom, mm-hmm. 
you already know what dom you're looking for you already know what kind of dynamic you're looking for you already know how to speak on it you know how to Mm -hmm. explain what you want you can't let nobody manipulate you into doing what they want Mm -hmm. it's all about boundaries you are as a submissive you are just as important as the dom so your needs are just as important as the doms so Mm -hmm. i'm going to teach people how to ask questions and and notice red flags before they enter anything that could possibly harm them or put them in a trauma-filled situation such as i did myself so what do you think some of the red flags someone who's in uh, such a situation should look for um if if you're asking questions if you if you want to ask a question about something because it's not clicking with you and your dom doesn't want to answer your question or doesn't say hey or isn't transparent and say hey I don't know the answer to that, but I'm gonna go find out. Or they shoot you some bullshit off the top of their head. That's a red flag. Because you want them to be able to teach you just like you could teach them. So if they don't know, they need to be honest and say, hey, I don't know, let's go find this out together and we'll research this. But if they do it always to manipulate to where they're only the ones fulfilled in the situation, that's a that's being used and abused. Mm-hmm. Because if they're saying, hey, we're going to do punishment and reward, and you're not doing nothing but receiving punishment, mm. and you're doing good things, you're being a good submissive, and you're you're being attentive, and you're serving, and you're doing as you're told, but you're not receiving any rewards, but when you don't, when you do one bad thing, that punishment's given to you immediately. Mm -hmm. but you've done 20 great things and you haven't received one reward Mm -hmm. that's a red flag that is not fair that is a give 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 situation right and it is a it is a um um role switch it is a power switch but it's you have to find it's still a loving situation as a submissive and a dominant. See, if you're a dominant and a slave, sometimes it's a little different. You are a little mm. more rough with your slave because they know and they're consenting to being a slave and they're signing up for certain things. But as a submissive, and that's where I feel like a lot of people should start mm-hmm. is as a submissive. I don't, I feel like they shouldn't, <laughs> I feel like they shouldn't jump right into being someone's slave because that's, that's like hardcore. I feel like you should start like if so if a dom says hey i want you to be my slave and you don't have any experience in that you mm-hmm. don't know anything about that why are you jumping into something so quickly you need to crawl before you walk so mm-hmm. i feel like you should stop, start as submissive and learn what you need to learn and i feel like that's gonna create somebody that's gonna be able to serve even better mm-hmm. if you're educated and you know and you know how to do it and somebody's giving you a foundation to go off of and grow off of with your partner you guys can create something off of that and it's safe and consensual you can't lose can't lose this is such a powerful conversation i don't think that this is a conversation that we get the chance to have as women in general society like that almost never happens it's always oh wow i heard this or i heard that but no one ever has any answers for it because it's such a, a fascinating lifestyle really yes you know in the bdsm community yes 
Yes, and a lot of people mold their, like a lot of vets mold, have molded their own way of doming, but they do it around the basics. The, the given, it's like a Bible out here. Like there's certain rules that you have to follow that are going to keep everybody in a proper mental standpoint. Anyways, you want to be mentally stable to do any of this stuff. So you have mm -hmm. to, my submissive, he wakes up every morning and he meditates for an hour before he starts his day. Mm -hmm. And I, I, he's only, he's been with me maybe a month now. He's not spiritual. He's been in um, the service for eight years. He's in reserve, he's like in reserves now and he works for Verizon as a regional manager. So he doesn't have time for himself. So now his first lesson right now is to let, learn how to take, take time, time for, for himself. It's not about me. I need you to be stable and mentally grounded to be able to take care of me. If you ain't got it together, what you gonna do for me? And who knew you could have self-care lessons in a BDSM lifestyle, but it actually, it has to be self-care. Yeah. He, you can't yeah. give from an empty, in, an, an empty place. Exactly. It has to be filled with something. And uh, that's where we're starting at right now. And he loves it. And he takes every morning out to meditate. He calls me once a day. He drinks water. Now we had a big talk about that. Ugh. He's changed his diet. He it eats so much better. He's not vegan or anything like that now, but we staying on baked chicken and baked fish for a minute. Wow. Child, I had a girl. Whew. But he's a black man out here in this world that doesn't um he he he's not a he's he's starting his awakening. And that's by meeting me because I can't have you around if you sleep. Girl. Can't that have part. you around if you sleep. <laughs> that we awake over here. I'm gonna need you to realize. <laughs> All right, well, what do you go by? Do you go by uh Mistress Bunny or is it just Bunny or He calls me Queen, but um he calls me Queen Bunny, but I mostly go by Bunny Baby out here. I don't go by a specific because I am a switch. Mm -hmm. So it can be any day for me. I might not even call him tomorrow because I might feel real submissive and just be in my own little space. Um, my submissive is a different type of submissive. I am a, uh, I like BDLG dynamics. So I like to have a daddy. Um, it's not sexualized at all, but it's more so I like to be in my middle space. I like to throw on my, my Disney channel, eat my candy, color. That's my self-love space. You know what I'm saying? It's my kid space. And that's my that's my point of submission. So right now I don't have a daddy. I don't want one. So I do that stuff for myself. <laughs> I understand. We have Sundays here where we dress like unicorns and watch old Disney movies. <laughs> and I love gummy bears, so I completely yes. identify with that. <laughs> we all have a little. But bit for of the rest of the world, I am a dominant queen. Yes. <laughs> but you catch me on a Sunday, I am gonna be a unicorn watching Milan for the fiftieth time. Meme. That is yes. a meme. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. So true. Yes, and that's more so me, like, I'm more dominant in my everyday life, but if you get me with the right person and around the right person, I'm real, real gentle. 
that's what your safe space looks like. My, yes. I understand. I'm safe space. I understand. That's exactly what that means. Well, Bunny Baby, sweetheart, my queen, I want to thank you so much for taking this time out to have this conversation with us. Um, I know that this is going to be very powerful, you know, when, when it hits the airwaves. I know that there's a lot of women out there that not just women but people that need to hear your story Mm -hmm. that need to see the resilience in you that need to see the after in you and that Mm -hmm. can understand um and identify with with your your path and i'm so happy Mm -hmm. that you came and you spent this time with me today and Mm -hmm. that um you didn't count it robbery in order to spend this time with me and i thank you so so much Thank you for having me. I really feel so grateful for being here. It definitely opened up a lot of a lot of blockages, you know what I'm saying, to actually take this step and do it. So, yes. Yeah. I appreciate you in having this platform so that I'm able to do this with you. Yes, with you. us. Hand yeah. in hand, cuz that's what sisters do. <laughs> yes. That's what sisters you. do. Big shout out to Bree Wild. Oh yeah. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> in the wildlife vintage, ladies and gentlemen, in Atlanta. If you're in and around, check her out on IG and all the things. And uh, yeah. let the people know where they can find you on social media. You can find me at Bunny Baby. That's B-U-N-H-I-B-A-B-Y. And then you can also follow at the Bunny Cage, the Bunny B-U-N-H-I Cage. And that's going to be where um, my event tickets are for the sixth for the kink event that I'm the first kink event that I'm holding for the bunny cage. So okay. I'm really excited about that. Yes. Okay. Do you have a website for it, or is everything's just going to be on your social media? Everything's on Instagram. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Once you get your um, your flyer and everything together, send that over, and the queen within will help you promote that as well. Thank you so much, love. Thank Take you care, so much, love. And we'll be in touch, okay? For sure, for sure. Take All care, right. honey. I Peace. love you, sis. Out loud and on purpose. Peace. Peace.